it is easy to think that we have been here before. We traverse this ground every year, and I know it's been a little different the last couple of years, but we, we traverse this ground as Christians have for well over 2,000 years. As predictable as the budding of spring, at least in the northern hemisphere, we, we gather with palms and branches and cries of Hosanna fill the air as the children are invited to shout in the Presbyterian Church this one time a year. It's easy to think we've been here before. Walking alongside Jesus as the crowd swells and the people place palm branches on the road and cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When we get here on Palm Sunday, we can settle back into our pews, maybe check the master's golf scores on the phone carefully so the pastor doesn't see, but I do always. (laughs) Because we know this story. We've been here before. And I must confess, that's how I usually come to this text to this day. Oh, it's Palm Sunday again. Piece of cake. I've preached on Palm Sunday for, I think, maybe almost 35 times now. I know this text. I know this story. I have been here before. And when we placed our commitment Sunday for the Glory to Glory campaign, on this day, I thought that was perfect. Because we know the contours of this day. It's festive and triumphal and there's a parade and loud hosannas and children and palm branches. It's perfect to declare our commitment on this glorious day as a response to God's grace. And then Luke comes along and messes up the whole story. Did you notice there are no children in Luke? Not one. Not one Hosanna either is spoken on the lips of anyone in Luke's story. No palm branches, sorry children, sorry choir. Not a single palm branch in the whole parade in Luke's gospel. If Luke showed up in our worship service today and witnessed these children uh, waving palm branches and shouting Hosanna and then reading from his gospel, he would have said, wrong, wrong, wrong. Were you paying any attention at all? It's, it's bad enough, he might say, with, with the wise men and the star and the gold frankincense and myrrh raining on my parade of shepherds and manger at Christmas. And now you're mashing up this story too. And if Luke did that, the glory to glory leadership team would need to help him escort him out of the building And say, you know, you need to cool your jets, Luke. It's Commitment Sunday. But there is a hidden danger, or a flaw, I should say, in all of this story mashing that we do in the Christian church, especially around uh, Palm Sunday and Easter and Christmas and Advent. We begin to think we've heard it all before. We know the story, don't we? And since we've been here before, we basically... 
check out a little bit, maybe. And when we do that, when we don't pay close attention to the depth that each of the gospel writers brings to their particular story, we miss the story of God's grace that each one of them is trying to tell in his particular way. We might miss something. And Luke is up to something here. No palms, no crowds, no children, no hosannas. And I wonder if he's inviting us with all of these absences to notice what is there on this day. And I want to suggest this morning that what is there in Luke's story is us. You and me, the church, is what's present in Luke's telling more than any of the others. The Lord has need of it. Twice in this text those words are spoken. The Lord has need of it. Jesus sends two disciples and only Luke uses the Greek word for send. That word is apostelomenoi. That word should sound familiar to you. It's where we get the word apostle, which means one who is sent. And the sent ones are simply to say, if someone asks, the Lord has need of it. Talking about the donkey. And they go and they find the colt tied up and they spread their garments on it after they tell the owner the Lord has need of it. They bring it to Jesus and he rides into Jerusalem and they proclaim him king, the king of peace, the king of glory. And in Luke's gospel, it's only the disciples who accompany him on that journey into Jerusalem. It's only the disciples who spread their coats on the ground. See him this morning riding astride the colt. He has need of you. Hear the disciples worship and declare him king. He has need of you. See his face turned toward Jerusalem where in a few days he will share a simple meal with his disciples and declare, this is my body, this is my blood, and kneel and wash their feet and give them a new commandment. A new mandate, that's why we call that day Maundy Thursday. Love one another as I have loved you. He has need of you. See him rise from that table and go out into the night and beg his disciples to keep awake and then in anguish pray with tears and sweat like drops of blood that this cup might pass from him. He has need of you. See him lifted high on the cross, crying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He has need of, of you. What Luke has done with his story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem is to place us in it. He carefully removed the palm branches. I wonder why. Maybe it's because palm branches in ancient days signified political kings 
who often paraded into town after a victory in war to the waving of palm branches. He's taken out the crowds of people crying, Hosanna. In Luke, it's the disciples who shout, Jesus' own followers, and not the general crowd. And they don't shout, Hosanna. They shout, glory and peace. Why? Perhaps it's because Hosanna means save us. And again, it was often associated with various Jewish violent uprisings and attempts to wrest political control from Rome. Luke seems to want to de-emphasize those things and to emphasize instead that it's the church that's riding into town with Jesus. And it's the church that has a particular calling to proclaim a different kind of king, one who brings peace and glory, the peace and glory of the God of heaven. The shouting disciples, the church, draws the attention of the Pharisees. The first we hear any other voices but theirs. They try to get Jesus to quiet them down. And you heard the response. If these were silent, the stones would shout. Clearly on that Palm Sunday, we are there. We're the ones sent out with a word. The Lord has need of you. We're the ones called to proclaim a kingdom of peace and glory. There will be a witness, this story seems to say. There will be a witness. If not us then the stones themselves will start shouting. My wife Kim notices heart-shaped rocks. She has this knack of seeing them everywhere. Most of the time a photo of the rock will do and she leaves it where she found it so it can perhaps bring the same joy to another hiker that it did to her. But occasionally she'll pick one up and bring it home. And we have one sitting on our coffee table, light brown, a kind of wavy, smooth surface that says it probably spent most of its time submerged under a stream. But the shape is unmistakable, a heart. And every time I see that rock, I think of the words to the hymn, Here I am, Lord. You know the line, I will break their hearts of stone. Give them hearts for love alone. I will speak my word to them. Whom shall I send? The rock is there, silent, and yet shouts, calls for a witness of love. Whom shall I send? I wonder if this is not finally where we end up when the palms and the hosannas and the crowds are absent from the story, we look into the eyes of our Lord and hear that question and we are given the joyous, glorious opportunity to say, Here I am, Lord. I will be a witness. Send me. You recall that we began Lent six weeks ago now, by reflecting on our mission as a church, 
responding to God's grace through worship, study, and service. And then the last two weeks, we explored the shape of that response, how generosity is grounded in gratitude and revealed in prayer. The grace of God is what is riding into Jerusalem this morning. Not a cheap grace, but a costly grace. A suffering love that will enter into Jerusalem and endure ridicule and torturous pain and the disgrace and seeming defeat of the cross all to reveal the love that grounds all things, a love that shines a light into the darkness, a love that summons faith, lived in faith. In the end, that's the summons of this week we're entering into, to trust, to have faith in the one who rides on into town. We, the church, are following him into Jerusalem today. The Lord has need of us. He needs our witness as he is condemned by unjust and corrupt powers that we will stand up for victims of injustice. He needs our witness as he is surrounded by hate that we will be a voice for radical love. He needs our witness as he is violently mocked and beaten and nailed to a cross that we will be a people of peace. He has need of a church that will not close its eyes to the pain of the world, that will not close its hands in fearful clutching of resources that will not close its doors to anyone, but will follow him into abundance, trusting that his way and his word leads to life. It's hard these days not to look at the news coming out of Ukraine, or just the news in general, or to go for a while onto social media and think that the voices of violence and discord and hate and hopelessness are so loud. And the voices of love seem so soft, if they are there at all. I sometimes think that it's, it's because those with such a word of love seem, they're cowed into silence perhaps by fear or maybe just complacency. But I heard somebody say something recently that really spoke. They said, what we need these days is for more people to love out loud. Because everyone else is being really loud with all the other stuff. And so she said, we need to love out loud in public like Jesus on this day riding into the city on public display eyes full of love and forgiveness and calling us to follow
And so on this Commitment Sunday, I cannot think of a better reason, really, to encourage you to give and support the witness of this church because at the end of the day, what we are trying to do, all of us together, is to love out loud. In worship, in study, in service, here at home, around the world, we do so imperfectly, to be sure, like the apostles of old. But we do so anyway because we are responding to God's costly grace. And we know that that grace leads to abundant life. Today he is sending us into the week called Holy. To accompany him at the table. To see his agony on the cross to go with the women in the early morning darkness of Sunday to the tomb. He is inviting us to claim this not as a long ago and far away story, but our story here and now. And so let us with one voice as his church respond, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Amen.